0: Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm Nick Lewis. I'm your host, and I just want to welcome you back for another great edition of the Lulu Logic Podcast. Man, it's so much fun. I'll tell you, when I get to sit across this screen and listen to these amazing people talk every week, we've covered mental health, we've covered athletes in the NFL, the CFL, so many different other ones. I've had UFC, ex-UFC fighters on. Today is my first boxer. I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you. Boxing was one of my favorite sports growing up. I used to watch all the fights. You know, there wasn't a big pay per view scene back then. So it was like Tuesday night fights, Friday night fights. I used to watch all the fights. I loved watching people box. It was something about being in a ring, being one on one and the skill that it takes to go out there, take a punch, throw a punch. Hey, but here we are. Today's guest, a former boxing champ, a legend in the boxing game. I don't want to wait any longer for you to hear this. Without further ado, this is the Lulu Logic Podcast. Today's guest is from Monroe, Michigan. He has a boxing record of 56 wins, 11 losses, and one draw. Finished 34 by knockout. During his fighting career, he captured the WBO Lightweight Middleweight Championship, the IBA Lightweight or Light Middleweight title, the WBC-NABF Light Middleweight title, the WBF Intercontinental Middleweight title, and the UBO Middleweight title. He excited fans over 22 years in his boxing career, being a speedy Southpaw, displaying great skill and talent. Now he's a member of the Michigan Boxing Commission. Welcome to the show, Bronco Superman McCart. Oh,
1: man, that introduction, that, that, that never gets old. I like hearing <laughs> that. You did a good job.
0: <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, you put in the work. You, yeah, right. That
1: was a great introduction. <laughs>
0: you, you put in the work. It makes it easy. And I, I love reading those off and just thinking back on it man just that's got to feel good
1: yeah no absolutely i mean um I, it's like you, you know being a former athlete yourself there there's certain goals that you set for yourself and then when when you attain those goals what, once you've attained them you're in the books forever right you're in the yeah. history books forever they can never take that away from you and uh it's all, it's always a, it's a blessing um, it's an honor to, to be a part of, uh, part of that, uh, fraternity, I guess, of, of guys that have won world championships in boxing. I came up in a great era. Actually, I missed a great era too. Um, I yeah. came up one, one decade behind the Hearns, Haglers, Leonard Duran, and quite, quite honestly, I'm, I'm grateful and thankful that I did. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we would have been introduced as uh, a former world champion. If I'd have came up in that era, I might've been uh, fought for the world championship. I don't know, but, uh, it was, it was a great era boxing and in my era i believe was the was the was the last generation of fighters who who just fight anybody you know yeah. they, they didn't they didn't we didn't have instagram we didn't get to get on there and, and and flex and show how fast we were with the speed bag and the heavy bag combinations and all that we we were fighters uh we weren't instagram uh pretty boys um but uh you know every generation has their thing i guess uh this generation though uh, a little different than us, like I said, uh, I came up with James Tony. Uh, yeah, the, the, he went from middleweight to heavyweight world champion. And then this guy, I don't know if it was his line or not, but I remember one time they offered a fight against uh, somebody to fight him, and James said, "Listen, the only thing I turned down is my bed sheets at night." And I thought, man, that's 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 the camp I'm in. So I took that same mentality. Uh, I fought anybody they put in front of me, and um, you know, it was I was fortunate and blessed to come up under a guy like James Tony and Jackie Callan as a manager at the yeah. time. I, I just fell into the right place at the right time. It was a blessing for sure. Jackie Kellen, they did a movie about Jackie Kellen, didn't they? Yeah, Against the Ropes, uh, yeah. Meg, Ryan, Meg, Meg Ryan, Ryan played the league. Yeah, 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 so it was a good movie. A lot of Hollywood to it, but it was a good movie. Uh, How you been through COVID? Fine, you know, so far I've uh, been blessed. Actually though, my, my girlfriend, her um, her family, they, they all ended up getting it, mom, dad, uh, sister, nephews, brother-in-law. Hope they're um, all right. Who, Yep. Yep. Everybody came out fine. My mom ended up getting it. Um, fortunately for us, we've been healthy and safe and, and, and no issues. That's good. Getting in the box. We go back now
0: to more towards the beginning when you were young, how did you get into boxing? Cause usually it's something that introduces people to boxing. they were either picked on or somebody took them under their wing and they took them in there. How did you get into boxing?
1: Well, um, my dad, my dad was an amateur boxing coach for a number of years, trained a lot of fighters in Monroe. And, um, I, I was at the age of 14, I was going down that path in life, you know, where I was going the wrong way. Yep. And my, my dad, who I loved and respected, but I also feared because my dad was a no nonsense guy growing up. Still, my dad's still alive and he's still a no nonsense guy. <laughs> he's almost 80 and thinks he's 30. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. He's ready to fight anybody that wants to buck up against him. I'm like, but one day I came home from school my dad sat me down. Uh, he was waiting at the door for me, actually, and uh, sat me down on the couch, said, we're going to have a talk. I said, okay. He said, every day when you get home from school from this day forward, you're going to do something with me. I don't care what it is. We can go play basketball. We can go fishing. We we can do anything, but you're going to do with me because I'm going to change your life right now. I'm not going to let you go down that road. And um, he was training fighters at the time. I started going to the gym. I uh, was in there one day working out, sparring. And once I, you know, they made me work three months just on Footwork. They didn't allow me to do anything else. Three months. I'm getting my foundation correct. Then uh, once my footwork was down, they let me spar one day, and I hit this guy with the right hook. Boom! And he went down. And I, it, it was just like it was a great feeling, right? <laughs> and it just kind of was like, "Dang! I just dropped that guy!" And 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 from that moment on, I was hooked. It's I was like hooked, a adrenaline rush. It, it was. It was. But it 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 was the greatest move ever in life for me because. I always felt like I was in boxing for more than boxing. I always felt like it was a platform to, you know, talk to younger kids and and just, you know, do things with it. And, um, you know, I believe that that boxing changed my life in a positive way because all my friends, except for one, who's my best friend to this day, but that whole group of guys that we ran around with all went to prison. Some are still in prison. Some Mm. were shot, you know, all that, all that, all that stuff that you hear And uh, you know, my dad, my dad basically stepped in and saved my life and wasn't going to let me go down that road. How far is Monroe, Michigan from uh, Detroit? Um, We are about 30 minutes South. Okay. Yeah. We're like 30 minutes South of Detroit and 15 minutes North of Toledo, Ohio. So we're like right in the middle.
0: Okay. And you know, when you're talking about the changing of the life, I, I feel like football does the same for so many people because one thing you have to be is disciplined. And one thing that people don't really grasp anymore is fighting is a discipline. Yeah. Right. To learn those things. How important was the fighting aspect to what you do now and what you are now? And how much did you
1: learn from boxing? Oh man. I, I, I I tell people all the time to me and you know, again, you being a former athlete, you you know, the discipline and, and everything that it takes to become successful. Right. So, I tell people all the time. I, I think boxing and life are are so parallel to each other. You, you know, because box or bo- life's going to hit you hard. You're going to get knocked down. You have two choices: you stay down or you get up and you keep pressing forward. You know, I sound like that that line from uh, what was a Rocky Six. I believe yeah. it was, but <laughs> but yeah. I mean, boxing is is that way, and the sports are that way too. It's just you you go through your hard knocks. Um, you you learn you learn you don't necessarily learn to uh, accept defeat, but you learn how to deal with it. You never like it. And you, you never just say, oh yeah, I lost, you know, ah, whatever, you, but you learn to cope with it. And you learn well, what mistakes you made and how to get better. And it's just like life, you know, you yeah. make a ton of mistakes and, and, and you figure out where you went wrong. And, um, you know, if you're blessed enough, you get a second, third, fourth, fifth chance, because we're all going to make so many mistakes. And I feel like boxing is, is truly that way um, where you you're going to get knocked down and you have 10 seconds. Yeah. To think about it, to think about it. And you get you have two choices. You stay down and get counted out or you get up and you keep fighting. That's, that's it. What, that's it. Yeah. That's so that's it. what boxing has taught me. Who's your favorite fighters
0: growing up? Like when you first got in the sport, did you watch boxing? Since oh, your yeah. dad was a trainer before you started going in there. Who were uh, some yeah, of the guys was, you,
1: you really watched? Um, well, growing up, uh, of course, you know, I was I was young, but I knew of Muhammad Ali, loved him. You yeah. know, I was able to meet him and when I was 20 something years old, take pictures with him, awesome. but but actually guys that I watched, it was that era of the Tommy Hearns, who, who uh, is a personal friend of mine just called me last night. Uh, it was funny too, because he called me, I was sitting in a chair and he said, uh, Bronco, yeah, he said, I want to fight you. I said, what do you mean fight me? I said, like a boxing match? Yeah, I said, well, what weight? <laughs> he said, your weight? I said, 160? I said, well, you're about 210 right now, right? Yeah. Well, you drop 50 pounds, we can fight, you know? And we started laughing, but um, Sugar Ray Leonard, who again? I was blessed to have my as a manager for a year during my career. Awesome. Um, yeah, uh, I loved I love Marvin Hagler. I mean that that whole general du- Roberto Duran, Wilfred yeah. Benitez. I mean that whole generation guys. But there was guys like Donnie Lalonde. I, yeah. I, I I I stay in touch with him on Facebook. I really like I really liked him as a fighter and as a person. Um, so, but those were, those were my main guys, the, 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 the Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, Leonard Duran, I lived it and I loved it, man. I cried when some of those guys would lose and, you know, I would stay up late and watch them. And, and I just, I, I tell Tommy Hearns to this day, I just told him this a couple of years, about a year and a half ago. I said, Tommy, cause we've been friends probably for 20 some odd years. I never told him this. I said, I had your pictures hanging up in my locker in high school. I said, in my workout room, your picture was hanging up in. I said, everywhere I went, I had a picture of Tommy Hearns. I said, because I wanted to be just like you, man. I said, I admired you so much. Yeah, as a fighter. And I said, and now to call you a friend every once in a while when we're at dinner or something, it just it's still surreal to me. You know, that I'm sitting across the guy that I used to cut out of the magazine. I got caught stealing um, posters at a library. And, and one time I was, I was, I was tearing because they used to have boxing magazines in the libraries. Yep. And I was taking, Tommy Hearns' picture out and Leonard's and Duran and they caught me, but you know what? They didn't, they, they just knew back then that I loved it. No, but I was young. I was probably, I wasn't even a teenager. I don't think. And they didn't really uh, do nothing to me. They just kind of told me not to do that anymore, but. They used to have some rolls, man. Yes. Like Hagler, Apple. Hearns, Sugar Ray.
0: Oh. oh my gosh. It's, you know, I used to love Sweet Pea as well. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Sweet Pea, Penel yeah. Whitaker. Yeah. He was one of my favorites growing up. I used to watch all you guys, man. I was, I love boxing. It was one of those things where me and my cousin actually we would bet a dollar on each uh the Tuesday night fights or the Friday oh, yeah. night fights and mm-hmm. so you had boxing like 4 days a week mm-hmm. back then. And people don't realize that cuz there wasn't really a big pay-per-view market but you no. unless you were Tyson, yeah. Right? You you wasn't really a pay-per-view guy. You you fought on Tuesday night fights or Friday night fights or Thursday night fights and it would always come on like Fox Sports and things like that. So, yeah, dude, I was like, I used to watch it and just be, dude, these guys fight, they fight. Yeah. And when you talk that's about, where, I'll go oh, ahead. Go on, I'm sorry,
1: no, 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 you go ahead. Go ahead. No,
0: I was gonna say, that's what you're talking about. Like today's era is more about trying to stay undefeated. Mm-hmm. Where back then you got more respect for fighting the best, even if you lost, you got more respect. Now mm-hmm. you got if you're at Showtime or you at HBO or you with this or you with this is this your promoter? Like mm-hmm. there's so many hurdles to get the best guys in the ring against each other now it's just it's impossible.
1: Exactly, and 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 that brings you to like Floyd Mayweather, who you can't take away what he's done for the sport and in the yeah. sport and the money he's made and in his greatness. He is he is a great fighter, but when he always would wear the TBE, the best ever. I would always tell people, no, more like the best of this era, TBE, yeah. the best of this era, not ever. I said, because if you took Floyd Mayweather and you threw him in the mix, Tommy Hearns, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Wilfred Benitez. He got a fight. Flo- Floyd Mayweather. He I said, fight. do you think he's not going to be – he would not have beat four. he would have not come out undefeated against those four guys. He wouldn't have no. ever went to 147 no would he would have stayed down he would have stayed no. down at
0: 135 140 he
1: wouldn't have and came down with... and dominated he would dominate yeah. down there maybe in any era but he would have not he would have not played with them guys at 147 I asked Tommy one night at dinner I said Tommy if you and Floyd fought in your prime in his prime what would you say I had my I had my prediction I said, what would you say he said three rounds I said and yeah, I said four but I said, so we're right in the same page. He said, yeah, he said, I'd have walked over. I said, I know you would. You're too big, 147. You'd have walked over. That guy could have never did them shoulder rolls and kept you off. You would have just, you would have dogged him. Uh, yeah. But that's the different generation. I say that about, you know, and, and I could be way off on this, but I say that about a lot of uh, sports in general. Football. I mean, like, so the, the Ronnie Lott the Lawrence Taylors, the the way they used to rip them quarterbacks. Like, as great, in my opinion, as Tom Brady is, if he would have been getting ripped by a Lawrence Taylor or, you know, guys like that coming through the line, Dick Buckets, you know, those kind of guys and just smashing the quarterbacks. A lot of these quarterbacks. Yeah, they wouldn't have made it
0: nowadays. Mean Joe Joe Green. Like, you know, one of the biggest things with football people don't get is how football has changed. It's went from a really ball-controlled to a spread mm-hmm. open game, like, it would be hard for Roger Staubach to play in today's game. Mm-hmm. When you're throwing the ball 15 to 20 times in a game, but you're mostly running the ball back in there to now they're throwing it 40 to 60 times a game. Yeah. You know, you got to make better decisions. And I think it's proven that quarterbacks usually play best if they can throw it under 35 times a game, right? Mm-hmm. So majority quarterbacks do better, but all those dynamics. And then you add in base defenses back then to now there's so many more defenses, so many more variations on everything you're doing. The game's much more complex than it's ever been.
1: Right. That's a, that's well, a huge difference. Well, they, they, they have so many TVs and computers and science behind it now. And they, 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 everything, everything right down to one, one millionth of a second. I mean, they just have everything down scientifically. So it's just, and the athletes are, are, uh, Different genetically, they're big. They're, they're. I mean, they're strong. They're fast. They're. Uh, they take all these different vitamins and different things. You know, there's just yeah. a lot of different things out there. So has it's, it's
0: has analytics hit boxing as far as how to win a fight? Like if you say, okay, these judges, do they look and say, okay, these are the judges, or how do I win around? And because sometimes you see some fights that are really close where they're not throwing a lot of punches but they're still able to win rounds. Is that analytically or what is the thought process in that?
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, it, you you, you, watch, you watch and you study tapes. And, and I guess it's like anything else. You know, you know certain officials are going to call uh, – uh, men basketball are going to call travel on this one. Certain ones won't. You know, certain officials are going to call the strike zone high. Certain ones won't. So, so, you know, in boxing, like some officials will give you uh, extra points for defense where other ones will give you points for body shots. That won't. You do know you do know your judges. I mean, after you've been around the game long enough, you can kind of pick who's going to judge a fight which way. But, you you, you know, you study, you fight films, you look at things, um, and you try to pick fighters apart. Uh, I think I think the best guy right now in the game uh for picking a guy apart is, is, is Terrence Crawford. Ooh. He takes about two rounds, three rounds. He and then he then he then when he knows he has you, man, that guy's relentless. He's 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 a special he Oh, oh yeah. He could have fought in any era. He could have been that guy fought in the era and done fine. I mean, he's I like that guy. If you're left-handed, he'll come out and beat you left-handed. you're right-handed, he'll come out and beat you right-handed. I mean, he, he mentally abuses these guys, not only physically. He just gets in their head. They know what they have when Terrence Crawford's lined up across the ring from them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that guy. <laughs>
0: you know, back then also there was quicker turnarounds and fights. What was your quickest turnaround in a
1: fight? Uh, Tuesday and Friday.
0: You fought a Tuesday, same Friday,
1: same week. Fought a Tuesday in Michigan and Friday in Ohio. <laughs> that was four. That was when I was coming up in a four round fight, but that's a pretty quick turnaround. <laughs> that is. Yeah. How did they go? I won two four rounds. De- ah, let me think. I think I won a four no two four round decisions. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Two four round decisions. Yeah, I was very sore at the end of that week.
0: Mindset of going into a four round fight. I mean, there's not a lot of time to to get to know what he's gonna do. You got to go in there with a set game plan that you got to impose your will pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, but I even as an amateur, I fought more of a pro style. Okay, um, I, I was never uh, just go out and throw a bunch of punches and 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 not know why I was throwing them. I was I was calculated, and I tried yeah. to fight calculated as a pro. I picked my shots, I waited, you know. I I was never uh, just a oh, it's a four round fight. I got to hustle. You hustle, but you only hustle when you need to, you know. I kept trying to control it with my jab and and just box. It's boxing, and um, so I never took that amateur style into the pros because I never fought the amateur style as an amateur. How many fights do you fight amateur? 35. You fought 35 th- amateur fights and 68 pro fights. Yeah, yep. Um I picked, you know, as, as an amateur, so, so it's not a lot of, not a lot of, uh, experience, but, um, I won the, I think I fought in the golden gloves, 7 years from 86 to 92. During that time, I think I won them four times and finished runner up three, you know, finished runner up early. And then when I, when I learned how to fight from like the age of 18 forward, I just, that was, I was just walking through them pretty much. What and then, um, I, I think, I think I mentally started to understand that I could fight like physically I had it, but I didn't know it. Right. And so, so what happened was I'd be at these fights as an amateur, some guys would be like, Oh man, you know, you can really fight. And I would think what, I don't, I don't see what they're seeing. You know, I just don't feel it. And then right around the age of 19, it just hit that I could fight. So like, I think 19, 20, 21, I pretty much, uh, I won the golden gloves those three years in a row, but I think I stopped most people even as an amateur during those, uh, couple years. And it just, it was just clicking, but I tell you what, I still didn't have the mental, cause I really feel in my heart, if I'd have been as mentally, um, uh, equal Fair. as I was physically yeah. when I was fighting, that I would have been an Olympian, uh, all, all those things. But I just didn't, it just didn't hit me. Um, when I turned pro and I lost my first fight, I think it was like my Seven. seventh, yeah. seventh, seventh, okay, seventh fight in Vegas. Not a big undercard, James Tony was fighting that night, Roy Jones was fighting that night, all these guys. I don't, I'm walking around, I'm meeting like Demi Moore, Bruce Willis, and I'm shell-shocked, man. I'm 21 years old. I've barely been out of Monroe. I'm in Vegas. I got all these movie stars, ringside. I'm, you know, I'm taking pictures, shaking hands, you know. Oh, this is great. So I lose a four-round decision, and uh, I was in my locker room. This is what. This is how little things that you say to inspire people can really change a person's mindset in their life, right? And there's a couple things that stuck out in my life, and this is one of them in my boxing life. I got my head on the table. I'm crying. You know, I lost the fight. Oh, I can't believe I got beat. I feel this big pat on my back. I look up. It's George Foreman. He said, hey Bronco, I just want to tell you something. That was a great fight, and you have that little something. Someday you're going to be world champion. I was like, man, Mr. Foreman, coming from you, you don't even know what that means. That means the world to me. And I shook his hand, thanked him, stopped crying, sucked it up, came back. Um, took this, took on a guy, the guy? next guy I fought, I believe his name was Robert West. He was a tough guy out of Ohio, was beating these guys. You know, he, we had about the same record, but they're like, that's a bad fight early in your career. I said, nah. that fight in uh, Vegas was a fluke and I'm, I'm coming back strong. And then I kept it in my mind, George Foreman, who was one of the best fighters ever said I could be world champion. I just know I can be world champion. You know, then I just started grinding it out and, uh, we set a game plan out a four year plan and we did it in like three years and eight months. Won awesome. the first world title. Yeah. So um just just those types of things. And and then one time I went to meet this athlete. I'm not gonna say his name because he's passed on, but um went to shake his hand, say, Hey, Mr. So-and-so, I don't wanna autograph a picture, I don't wanna bother you. I know you're a busy guy. I just like to shake your hand and say it was a pleasure watching you, you know, play the sport that he played. And he looked at me, didn't put his hand on, he said, I'm busy. Yeah, I was 21 and I thought, man, if somebody ever asked to shake my hand or get an autograph from me, I will never turn them down and to this day, I never I never have, I don't care what it takes because yeah. that hit that hit me hard as a 21 year old kid. So those two things, one hit me, they both were used positive,
0: yeah.
1: but one was a negative experience and one was a positive experience, so.
0: It allows you to, you know, I always tell people, people always ask for like, you know, what kind of person are you? I said, depends on the day you meet me and, and what just mm-hmm. happened, right? And I've always tried to keep that in perspective. Like, somebody knows me as an ass. Somebody knows me as the greatest person on earth. Somebody knows me. So anywhere in between there, it just depends on the day, right? So right. I try to keep it in a perspective of of how people know me. Like, if you meet me after we lost, I'm probably not going to be the happiest guy. Right. Right, that's your only encounter with me. But yeah, I, I love fans. I love engaging people. Um, yep. And I just love that art of, because why else do you do it? Right? You do it for yeah. personal satisfaction and gratification, but same time, we're entertainers. Yeah. We do it to yeah. entertain and, and yeah. for somebody to come up to you, that's a gratifying situation because you know that you made an impact on that person for them want to come up and, and say something. So
1: sure. That's Absolutely. very unfortunate.
0: That's very yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Now weight cuts, did you do you have major weight
1: cuts or did you fight around your weight size and well, so I I turned pro at 147. Yep. I think I had about 11 fights. Uh, I was 10 and one, three knockouts. Couldn't break an egg, man, because I was killing myself. You know, making weight. We'd always joke I'd knock an egg off a table, it wouldn't break. You know, at 147. <laughs> so then I was just boxing everybody. Could not really couldn't really just didn't have the oomph. And you know, James Tony kept saying Bronco, just move up to 154. And I'm like, man, those guys up there are killers, James. They're, they're trimming down from 190, and they're big guy. And I'm looking at all these, you know, 54 champions, and I'm thinking, man, that'd be crazy. So he convinced me to do it. Uh, I moved up to 154. I scored like 14 straight knockouts. I went on a roll. And I was, I felt good. So when I was fighting 147, I could get as high as 170. But when I moved up to 54, I couldn't hardly get above 64 because my body was comfortable. Yeah. Right. And then towards the end of my career, I ended up at 160 because you, you train so long, you build muscle. Then we start cutting weight. You're not cutting weight anymore. You're cutting muscle. You're not, yeah. you're, not you're past the fat, you're into the muscle. So I, and then now i uh, been, I retired in 2014. I walk around at about 164, 165. I don't, I don't, you know, I still work out and stuff and eat pretty good, but, um, but I don't, I don't let myself go. I can't. I, I want to i wanted to at one point i thought man when i retire i'm gonna eat everything i'm gonna get about 200 pounds i'm but i just couldn't do it i just couldn't do it to myself you know
0: yeah does it do you have any long-term effects from the weight cuts i guess you didn't really cut a lot but so it didn't really matter but do you know boxers or did it affect you from the weight cuts to get ready for
1: fights the only the only thing that i ever really remember that probably was very unhealthy was like after I would make weight at 147, and I would drink water or juice or whatever, I would shake for about an hour. Mm. You know, I shook really bad because my body was so dehydrated. I think it was just I, I, I just would shake for like an hour, and my, then I would get real hot, and my face would get hot, and I'd get real stuffy, and uh, couldn't sleep. You know, I was achy, stuff like that. But but once I moved to 54, it really it really wasn't an issue. Not and and not only putting on those that seven pounds, uh, weight difference, but understanding your body, see, see, again, back then we didn't have all the dietitians and all that kind of stuff like they do now. But once I understood, you know, I can eat this food and I can eat a lot of it and it's not going to put much weight on me. And then I started understanding my body, what worked for me and what didn't, then, then it became pretty easy because it was just like, I was controlling my own body with not, not just by my exercise and cutting out water and liquid, but by the foods that I ate. Yeah, so it made a big difference. A lot of weight. Yeah, absolutely. So it made a big difference.
0: You had a trilogy Winky Wright.
1: Hmm. hmm
0: When you look back at that, what do you think? I just went back and watched it too
1: before we did this. Um. Well, the very first fight in my heart to this day, I thought I won that fight. It was close. Yeah. It was tight. I felt I won it. I felt being the world champion. I felt, you know, I felt I won that fight. But on the books, I didn't. So, hey, whatever. Then... The second fight of the three fights, the second fight was his best fight. He, he outboxed me really well in the second fight. He just, he was just on that night. And the third fight, um, I got DQ would for low blows. Uh, you know, I, some of those punches were definitely low. Some of them I didn't feel were, it, it just, it just was it just didn't go well. Um, but having shared the ring three times with him, uh, it was great. I, I, I went down to Florida right after I retired. Matter of fact, the week after I retired, went down there and we went out and played some golf. We talked about our careers, except the only fights we never talked about was our three. We talked about everything else. Yeah, we never even mentioned our three fights. We talked about everything else. Yeah, had a good time. I still stay in contact with them. We talk and uh, I told them next time I come down to Florida, we'll play some golf again and stuff. I like Winky. Um, Matter of fact, I pretty much like every fighter that I ever fought. I, I stay in touch with a lot of them. And uh, even when I'm putting together highlight reels, like I have some people working on some highlight reels right now. And a couple of the guys that I stopped during my career, I called them and messaged them and said, hey, man, you know, getting this reel together. Do you mind if I, if you're on it? If not, I won't put you on it, you know. Yeah. Oh, heck no, man. You know, I just, I don't know. I'm just that way. I'm just, I just feel that I know it's out there. I know they're out there those fights anyways, but I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't know. I just think it's the respectful thing to do. They say,
0: they say when you fight, you leave a piece of yourself with that person forever.
1: Yeah. Right. Because it's, Mm -hmm. it it
0: takes something. You got to dig deep, especially Mm -hmm. because you're going to take shots. You're going to take shots in the head. You're going to take body shots and you got to dig deep to, to get to that point.
1: Sorry, Um, I lost. Oh,
0: you're good. But you know, you've got to dig deep in there. And I'm pretty sure mentally it's the first thing to be like, you know what? I shouldn't be in here or. I should, I should, I should take a knee, but yeah. you're like, there's something in you. So when y'all, mm-hmm. maybe y'all not talking about it, was it like an ego thing where, or was it nah. just,
1: we just leaving that alone? Yeah. It just, it just never it, it, in our conversations out there, four hours on the golf course, it just never, uh, never came up. It was just one of those things that I, I don't know. It was weird. Cause I never felt the need to mention it. And he never mentioned it, and we just talked about all the other different fights that that we had in our careers, and some of the same guys that we fought, and things like that. But we never even mentioned our fight, and I don't, I don't think it was uh, had anything to do with uh, egotistical, or it's it just, it just, we just didn't do it. How's your golf game? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> you know. Anyway, I tell you what, his golf game, man, that guy can play some golf. Really, yeah, he played really good golf. Yeah, my, my game when I used to play a lot of golf, I shot like low to mid eighties, but um, you know, I'm not, I don't play that much anymore. I, I play more in scrambles, like the, the tournaments when they get together and have these little fundraisers and stuff like that. I play more of those types of uh, events. Okay.
0: Now looking back over your career, winning multiple championships, uh, you fought some, a lot of big name guys, you know, with Winky and Kelly Pavlik and and now Tony Harrison and, and guys and, over the course of 23 years, how do you feel about looking back at everything and just been like, do you sometimes just take a deep breath and be like, I can't believe I fought this many guys. I can't believe I won this many fights. I can't believe like this happened in my in my life.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, actually. Um, so, so one day we do a lot of like trivia stuff around here, around the house, just silly stuff. And her daughter was walking through and, and said, uh, Hey, how many fights did uh, Muhammad Ali win? I said, 56. She's like, oh, it says on here 54. I said, well, that's wrong. It's 56. I'm telling you right now. Right? So it's it like turning to <laughs> almost an argument in the house. So, so when she walked out, my girlfriend said, what do you do? I said, I'm telling you, he won 56 fights. I won 56 fights. I said, I know how many fights he won. That's, <laughs> that's my boxing idol, you know? So the fact that I can even say I won it, not in oh, no way, shape, or form. I'm going to put my asterisks on this and disclaim it right now. I'm not trying to compare anything with my career to Muhammad Ali's. I'm just saying the fact that it, it's cool for me personally that I had 56 wins and the guy that was my box and I 56 wins, but yeah, I look back on some of the guys that I fought and, and and I pride myself on, you know, I fought the best of the best during my time, Yeah, the guys that were the ring, the ring magazine, top tens, the guys that were, um, uh, the, you know, WBA WBC, I, I fought all them guys and, and they offered me a fight and I took it. And uh, so I'm proud of I'm proud of what I did for the simple fact that just from I'm from the city, small city, Monroe, Michigan. You know, we've had a lot of really neat people, neat things come out of here. But uh, I'm proud. I'm proud of what I did just because I'm just a kid who wasn't supposed to be able to do what I did. You know, an overachiever because I just I worked. I worked and and I wanted it. I lived it when I see a fighter, like nowadays, again, when you see, I remember uh, an MMA guy um, fought John Jones a few times. They had a real bad rivalry. He's a big wrestling guy. Uh, uh, Daniel Cormier. Cormier. So I remember after Cormier lost to um, uh, Jones and they put that meme was going around and him crying and they were doing all these funny little things. And I commented on it. I said, I I respect a man that wants to win so bad he cries when he loses yeah. He's not crying because he's crying because he wanted to win so bad. And I, I love an athlete like that. I, take, I I take a team full of guys that want to win so bad that it sickens into their stomach and they cry when they lose. I want that guy, I want that guy on my side. And that's how I tried to approach it. I never – if I lost, it wasn't a happy moment. It, it, I hated it and didn't want it to happen again. But you put so much into it, right? Yeah, I think exactly. that's what
0: people don't understand. You put so much into it. And in boxing, it's it's short term like like I prepare the offseason for 18 games in the CFL and then for the playoffs. But in boxing, you prepare for a month, two months, or however long it is, yeah. for one guy, one yeah. fight, 36 yeah. minutes. Right? So you're putting everything into this 36 minute window, and you want to go out there and display the best of yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you're sacrificing, you're missing birthdays, you're missing holidays, dinners, you're missing functions. Like, so I turned pro at 21. let me go back to my high school. So when everybody was taking spring breaks and going down to Florida, doing all their good things, I'm I'm here in Monroe, training, getting ready for Toledo Golden Gloves. I turned 21 in March of uh, 92 and um, I turned pro in July of 92. So on my birthday in March, I'm not going to lie. I told my buddy, take me out, drive me around. I just want to get some drinks in my system and I want to get this out of my system because tomorrow morning after my birthday, I'm, I'm training to get ready to turn professional and I said, I will not touch this stuff. And so the first four years when I, until I won my world title from 21 to 25, I wouldn't even look at alcohol, you know? I mm. mean, and, and that's, that's the so-called prime years. So when I was fighting, nobody when i was in that prime time nobody saw me out at the bars the clubs i didn't do any of that stuff man i trained slept ate and went home you know i just i wanted it i wanted it and and i knew that for that short-term sacrifice i would have long-term rewards and just just something like this being being able to be on a podcast and talk about what i did and, and 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 like i said do different interviews and still go speak different places. And yeah. it, that's all because of a short-term win or sacrifice that for the rest of my life, I'll I have the tag as a former world champion. And I'm, I'm thankful for that, man. I'm thankful for that. Thanks. That's, that's
0: awesome. You know, and I don't think a bunch of people understand that is, is that commitment to, to really greatness and commitment to yourself. I remember when JJ Watt, said he didn't need a girlfriend and he didn't need this. Like when he first came to NFL, he's -hmm. like, this is a short window. Yeah. I can't, I'm not going to disappoint somebody by saying no to them when I'm putting everything I have into being the best I can be in this short window. Cause then when that window's over, I can do anything else I want to do.
1: That's right. That's right. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't either a don't see it or B they, they don't there has been plenty of guys put it to you this way that were out there that were more talented than I ever was even in even in my area my even in my area that were as far as raw talent but when they took the summers off I trained I went to Toledo I went to Detroit when they came back during the boxing season I was I was one peg up from what I was last year then the following year I was two pegs then three then pretty soon I'm, I'm, I'm climbing up because I'm I'm working. I'm doing three-day workouts. You know, I'm I'm only taking Sunday off. That's the only day I'm taking off. And sometimes if, if I feel good, I don't take my Sundays off, you know. But I, I just I wanted it. I knew I wanted it and I wanted it. And, and and I was I was driven more by those that didn't believe in me than those who did believe in me. Yeah. I was driven by those who I, my biggest fear was not losing my biggest fear was giving you the opportunity to tell me i lost that that was my biggest fear i didn't i didn't i didn't want it i didn't want people to be able to hold that over me so i mean i i was i can tell you this i fought a guy one time skipper kelp who was a very good amateur fighter and and he was doing really well in the pros i think when we fought he was 19 and 1 and i was 18 and 1 or vice versa we were we were evenly matched and he was top ranked guy and they were pushing him and he was going to be the next waterweight world champion and he, vicious left hooker, you know? And I remember there was a lot of people, a lot of people, especially in my own city that thought that this guy was going to beat me. And I know there was people pulling against me. I knew it. I knew it. I convinced myself of it. Right. <laughs> I'm in my hotel room day of the fight. I'm, this is one fight. I'm so nervous. I'm dry. heaving. I mean, I'm thinking, man, cause I remember my dad telling me one time, I'm telling you my dad said, when you, when you turn pro, you're gonna to have to beat a guy named Skipper Kelp if you want to get where you gotta go. Now here I am watching this guy on ESPN and just murder people, and I'm thinking, I
0: ain't beat him. I don't even <laughs> wanna fight that guy,
1: right? So the mental beat him. hurdles, right, right, right. So so the fight the fight happens, and uh, the day of the fight, I, my grandpa he was still alive at the time. I call him, hey grandpa, I just wanna tell you I love you, man. You know, blah blah blah. Called my uncles, they were alive at the time. I'm calling, I'm going through my family. I'm calling the people. My grandpa, when I get to him, he said, what, what? why are you calling me day of the fight saying all this stuff? You never talk like that day of the fight. I said, because grandpa, and this is how crazy my mind was back then. I said, I want to win this fight so bad that I prayed to God that I'd rather die than lose to this man. So mm. if if it goes bad in there, I'm just making my peace with everybody be- before the fight because I'm telling you, I made it with God already right here in my I'm ready hotel. to bite down and go to war. <laughs> right? He's like, don't talk like that. I said, it's too late. I said, I'm ready, Grant. I said, that's where I'm at. And that's my mindset. So, but fortunately, you know, here I am. So I obviously came out <laughs> in the winner. But but yeah, that's that's how bad I wanted to win when I was coming up.
0: Yeah. Did you have fun fighting? Like you talk about that story and- I remember for the longest time in my career, I didn't have fun for probably the first 10 years because I was always looking at the scoreboard. I was always thinking how we need to win, how can we win, how we will win. And it was always the process of I didn't enjoy playing the game. I'd make a big play. I'd be happy for a second. But then it's back to I'm so mental in the approach of how I played. Mm-hmm. Like and for you, you're you in the moments you're you're fighting or you think, okay, this guy can beat me or this guy can't. Did you enjoy it when you were in the ring? Did you genuinely genuinely enjoy it ever, or was it just I enjoyed getting ready for it? That that was a job, and then I enjoyed the everything after.
1: I think I think I enjoyed everything because I loved what I was doing, right? Yeah. I know there was a lot of sacrifice. I know that there were, uh, you know, there was a lot of pain, both physically and emotionally. Sometimes, the business side that was garbage, but I I loved what I was doing. And yeah, there were times in there when I when especially if things were really going your way, <laughs> yeah. I really was I was really having a good time. I'd be talking in the clinches, you know, saying different things and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I I remember later in my career. I fought this this guy. We were watching tapes of him, and, and he he had fought this young prospect. Guy was like seventeen and all or one man. Hit him with a crisp one too. boom boom. It was over. I said, "Man, that was pretty sneaky." I watched it like four or five times. I said, "Man, he that was a sneaky little back jab, right hand. That fight was over." So I'm I'm I fight this guy, and he hits me with that same combination, boom boom. And it was weird because he hit me, and like the whole the whole side of my body like went numb, mm. like I, like one side. But it it didn't it didn't hurt I guess because it numbed me I don't know, I can't explain it but I remember I remember when he hit me boom boom and I grabbed him in the clinch and I kissed him on his cheek and I said you hit like a mm, right and that threw that guy off so bad he lost every round after that. I said I won the fight. <laughs> 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 so, so yeah, that was that was a, so on the new. Play like the mind talking, games in here. <laughs> you you do you yeah. do, and sometimes I would do it unintentionally. I would just speak what I was saying, and I could see that it affected the guy. So then I rode with it. You yeah. know, I didn't. I'd be. I would just be real, and sometimes it would affect the guy. I could see it in his face, like oh, that just I just got in his head. Didn't even mean to. I just spoke what I spoke. Yeah, that's.
0: That's crazy. I was talking. I was telling a story last night on a different podcast or this um, this show last night about the hardest hit I've taken football and how I took the hit and I seen flickering in the lights up top on one oh, side hey. and oh, I- hey. the lights were just moving like this and by the time I got to the sidelines I a couple more plays in then after the drive I go to the sideline the lights are still flickering the train I talked to the train I'm like. I don't know what's going on, but the lights over here just flickering up and down. He's like, Are you all right? I said, I feel good, but the lights right. are <laughs> right. Maybe about eight minutes later in the game, I run the same route, another catch, boom, take another hit. It's an out and up, but the quarterback floats the ball. The safety destroyed me. Big hitter, Kerry uh, <laughs> Saber, and the flicker went away. And I was like, he gave me a concussion. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, that happens. That
0: happens. So it was, you know, it's one of those things where you, like like you've been in the ring, you got to bite down. You know this guy's got a great left hook. Right. Right. And you do everything you can to stay away from that left hook, but you know at some point he's going to land. Yep.
1: Yep. It's going to happen. I think, the, I think, so I was asked the other day, who was the toughest guy ever fought just raw, just raw, tough. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean the best, doesn't mean, but just tough. He was out, out of Canada. His name was Elaine Bonamy. Man, I'm telling you what, as far as raw toughness, I, I kid you not, the next morning, well, I trained in California for that fight. I went out to a training camp with James Tony. We fought in Connecticut, but we trained in California at uh, Mickey Rourke had a gym and Freddie Roach ran it back then. And So we, we, we trained like six, seven weeks out there. I was in fantastic shape. My dad called me one day, he said, how you doing out there? I said, good. He said, well, when you fly in, we're going to meet in Detroit and I'm going with you to Connecticut. My dad never missed one of my fights ever as a professional. Okay. He trained, he, was one of my, he was one of my first trainers, stayed with me my whole career, worked my corner every fight. Um. So he said, what kind of shape are you in? I said, dad, man, I'm in great shape. You know, I, mean, I get in good shape every fight, but I said, I'm in great shape for this fight. I said, I could beat this guy at 50%. He's like, well, but you're not 50%, right? I said, no, I'm in great shape. So after the fight was over, next morning, man, I'm cut up. He was cut up. We're in the hospital, looking at each other, laughing about our fight. Me and the guy, man, great fight. I said, yeah, "No kid." He's already getting stitches. I'm getting stitches. I mean, it was a brutal fight. It got stopped in six rounds because due to cuts. Next morning, I got my hands were completely black. I'm both all the way through both sides wow. just from hitting him. And and I had stitches. My eyes shut. and I'm sitting at the table. I, I'm sore, man. I do not want to eat. I'm chewing, trying to eat breakfast, you know. My dad looked at me and said, I just got one question for you. I said, what's that? He said, 50%. Could you still beat that guy at 50%? And we started laughing. I was like, no. I needed every bit of that 100% pop. <laughs> oh, it was funny. So that's some of the fun things that happens after the fights. But yeah, that guy was, that guy was tough. A lame bone to me, tough, man.
0: Yeah. Can you just talk about, you know, we everything is, is mental some of the mental hurdles, like I always said, there were days I'd walk into the locker room and I was like, I don't feel like playing a football game. But by the time I got on the field and got into the game, I naturally just get into it. You can't do that in boxing. You can't step in the ring and be like, well, I don't feel like fighting a day. Did you ever have any days where you woke up was like, I don't want to do it? Or you just wasn't in the right mindset to get in the ring?
1: Not in an actual fight. I, I can't, I can't, nothing comes to mind. I mean, there was plenty of gym days like that, but not in an actual fight. Now there, there were fights where, um, I, I felt like I was too relaxed, like mentally, um, thinking, you know, I'm just going to go out here and do my thing. Those, those ended up being my tougher fights. Um, cause you, you've got, you have to be nervous, yeah. jittery. Eyes going darting left and right. You know, I mean, you, you have to be the same thing with you on the field. You have to be that that energetic animal inside. And when I got those fights where I was really calm, those were the ones I was worried about because I knew that that's that's when uh, you might get caught with something you normally wouldn't. Or like um, I fought a guy in St. Louis. He had about a 500 record. It was just kind of an in-between fight. But my dad told me, so I don't like this fight. I don't want this fight. This guy's dangerous, Bronco. I, I've I've watched him fight. You know." I said, "Dad, it'd be fine. Don't worry about it." Bell rings. Never in my career do I come just straight out. I try to come out a little bit to the right, to the left. Hands up, you know, ready and cautious in the first round. I came out with my jab down low. Tried to do a little shoulder move. I walk straight across. Boom! Hits me down. I go first punch, right hand down. I go. Wow! I'm like, man. I look, I look over my corner I, I my dad Miles are you all right I'm like, I'm I'm fine just embarrassed you <laughs> know I got up and then, you know I went to fight my dad was like what 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 were you doing I said man nah, I was just so relaxed dad it was a bad move on my part you know I lost I lost my focus for just a split second my focus oh, it on takes. yeah yep and then boom I got caught and down I went so losing
0: fights you lost 11 of 68 fights
1: mm-hmm. not a
0: lot compared to the caliber of fighters you were fighting mm-hmm. was it harder
1: or easier to come back after a loss uh, you know I so later later on in my career after about the age of 30 probably seven you know I fought from 30 I fought till I was 43 you know I I, I should have probably I should have probably really retired around 35 36 you know right around that age um, but i I was still every so often taking on a good prospect beat them get get a shot at a you know get a shot get a shot and i was trying to capture that lightning in a bottle in my 40s you know like yeah let me just just let me one one of these fights i'm gonna just clip one of these boys i'm gonna walk out with that belt and i'm done i'm gonna ride off in the sunset but you know in all honesty later on in my career when uh say on a monday i'll say ah you know what today i'm gonna I'm not really going to go to the gym, but I'll double up on Tuesday. Right then and there, I should have quit. Yeah, I should have retired. I knew it. I knew it, you know. And going into my – actual my last fight, I was sparring this young amateur. He was about 19, 20, but he was really good fighting at national level. We're working, and I'm moving, and I'm 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 baiting him on these moves, and he's buying them, and I'm getting ready to walk him into a left hand. He doesn't even know it. And I, I go to the ropes, and I make my move, and he shoots a right hand. I shoot my left, and his right – his right hand, just beat my left. But he didn't realize it. It was like, come you know, his landing, my landed. He didn't realize it, nobody in the gym realized it. I realized it. I went home that night, I laid in my chair for two hours staring at the ceiling, my lazy boy. And I kept replaying it over, I was trying to, I was trying to come up with a reason why, why his punch beat mine. I was doing, my foot slid, I, I, was, I was, I was replaying, was wrong. Like, yeah. right? And then, and then I said to myself, timing. Once you're losing your timing, that split second, Bronco, if that had been a world class fighter, it'd been a ball game. Yeah. So I knew, I knew that day, that it was definitely over. You know, I knew I should have just retired in that chair. I should have made my phone calls, but I didn't. I went forward, you know, and fought. But uh, you know, you know when, when, at, when, when you're the guy that won't miss a, a session, no matter what's going on. I mean, I remember I remember bearing my grandma fighting seven days later, mm. you know, and things like that, where you just have to you just know that you have to continue on. But when you find reasons later on in your career or early, whenever it may be to skip as opposed to figure out no matter what's going on, I have to be there. It's time to find something else because that's when you're going to get hurt. Yeah. You know, and I tell you what, of the 56 fights that I did win. It's eleven losses, is what is as an athlete, is what irks you to death. It's not yeah. the wins that you, you enjoy. It's it's the. But loss you replay
0: that, it? You replay mm-hmm. it like, and you understand how you could have won those fights.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So those are those are the those are what you those are what you talk about as 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 an athlete is is you know the ones you lost are the ones that that really just deep down irk you and drive you more than any other ones that you won.
0: You know, I'm just thinking here, 103 total fights, you know, 35 amateur and the 68 pro, and you talk like you never had a fight, which is amazing, especially from a lot of boxers in your era. I remember probably about 10, 10 years ago, I met uh, Terry Norris. Oh yeah. Who was another great
1: fighter that, yeah, but he used to put on wars. That was my dream fight. We, we I wanted to fight him, it just never happened. Mm. but he couldn't talk.
0: He could barely talk. Yeah. You know, and I was like, man, it's just like the beating and the, and just everything that compounds on you. Have you had a
1: lot of, or any major challenges from your career? Um, no, nothing, nothing that, you know, that I'm aware of. Um besides I, I've got some knots at uh, I got some knots at the back of my
0: <laughs> knots the, at the oh, back man. of my rib.
1: But yeah, both of them are like that. So um, but that nothing real uh besides my bones pop in the morning when I wake up pretty oh, much yeah, uh, I got you all know, my shoulders too. and stuff. <laughs> but no, I you know, a lot of I think a lot of these a lot of these guys, if you looked at uh I don't know what Terry Norris's amateur background was, but I'm sure if you looked it up, he probably had a few hundred fights. Oh, right, no. a lot of the a lot of these amateurs um before they turn pro, they'll 200, 300, 400 amateur fights. We we didn't do that. We we trained like pros in the amateurs, we picked our tournaments, we picked our fights. Um and we we just didn't go fight every weekend and get punched, you know. And then also sparring. Most a lot of that happens in sparring, you know, you get a lot of a lot of sp- so early in my career I sparred a lot. i get ready for fights, I'd spar 80 to rounds getting ready for a fight. Um, as I got later in my career, when we added different trainers to to our camp, I remember an old time, Walter Smith, who worked out at the Cronk gym with Tommy Hearns, Emanuel Stewart, and all them, said, at this stage, Bronco, you know how to fight. We don't need to burn ourselves out and beat ourselves up in the gym. You know, you start cutting your spine down to 40 rounds getting ready for fights. Um, you come in. I always did like to, when I was getting ready for a fight, at least somewhere in my camp, do a 10, 12-round day with three to four fresh fighters, just so I knew where I was at. And I felt good about it. Yep. So uh, once I did that, I knew I was good. That was after training. you know, I with two hours training too. So I knew I was good, but I think a lot of guys take beatings, be, get beat up in the gym. Um, I we, we tried to be smart about it. And um, you know, like I said, I didn't have a lot of amateur fights. So I, I do see fighters. A lot of them um, talk what I call lazy. Uh, you know, drag their words and things like that and, and I tell you what, I, I'll say this, I, I, I'm a faithful person, I believe in Jesus, uh, I believe in God and uh, I always, when I was fighting, you know, like I said, I always felt like I was in it for bigger than me and I always felt like God was protecting me and I always prayed every day, Lord, please just put your hedge protection over my mind, my body, my spirit, let me have a strong, safe, sane and stable mind all the days of my life, you know, and, and so, Thank God that uh, so far, so good.
0: That's awesome. One more thing before the last little bit here. Sure. If there's one piece of equipment or one thing you did near the end of your career that if you could have taken that equipment or taken that device or taken something back to the beginning to start it over, that would have helped you become even better, faster, what would that be?
1: Man, I, I can't, nothing comes to mind.
0: Years, in 23 years, there's a lot of inventions that came along and you see the, like, you look at oh. guy like LeBron and how he spent so much money on his body and, you know, something like that.
1: Oh, so those, I'm not, I'm not even sure what they're called, but those, like, hyper... It, Chambers? hyperbaric hyper Chambers, yeah, those where they go in there and they they, they do... I, the elevation and everything? Of, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Or, or um, I never took an ice bath. Cryo. Cryo. Yeah, any, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Those types of things would have been great, I think. Or or I know, I, I know a lot of hockey players to recuperate uh, faster would lay in, like, them oxygen tents and yeah. things like that. I was just old school, man. I just got up, did my road work. When it was dark, my dad followed me in the car. Um, you know, I did uh, setups and push-ups. Didn't do a whole lot of weights hardly at all. I wish I would maybe, if I look back, maybe added weights to my thing. But I, I could still punch, so it didn't matter. But, um, I mean... But I was just old school. I didn't have all this stuff that these guys, all this yeah. fancy stuff. And I remember I remember this Olympian telling me one day, uh, came to the gym to spar and he said, uh, how many rounds you sparring today? I said, hey, man, maybe six or eight. I said, I ran five miles this morning. My legs are a little tired today. He said, you, you ran five miles? Yeah, he said, running's old school, bro. I, <laughs> I said, running is old school? Man, boy, I said you ain't gonna make it in this game. I'm telling you that right now. If you think running's old school, that, that's your lifeline, my man. I'm telling you that right now. So you know the they road just, they, work. Oh, you you have to have it, you know. You have to have it. Now I don't do I do elliptical. I got an elliptical okay. in the back room. I do that. I don't really run outside too much. Just beat your, I can feel it when I do it now. See, I do spin. Um I'm, I'm up to about 150
0: miles in my last 16 rides.
1: No kidding.
0: So, yeah, I try to. I try to get. I'm gonna try to finish off uh, about 225 to 250 miles this month. So no yeah. Right. it. Yeah, it keeps me lot. active, man. It's and plus, you know, with my knees taking shots and different stuff, it's it's one of those things where it's a lot easier for me because my back sure. pain and other things that go wrong. But spin, I can get on the bike. I can spin out, ride 10 miles, 15 miles, whatever it is, and. It's just a good challenge.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I that's why I like the elliptical. Same, same, same difference in a sense. Yep. The the bike. Uh, I I never really got into the bike. I didn't, it just bothers me. Just I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> so to finish it up, I want to talk about some of the current fighters
0: and and just what you think about these guys and girls. Uh, and we'll start with Carissa Shields.
1: hmm She is a um, very good fighter. Uh, you know, I, I tell you one thing that does surprise me about her, though. I, I, I've watched her tapes, and I, it shocks me that if you, if you watch and go look at yeah. what I'm saying, too. When she's hitting the bag or hitting the pads, there's not any pivot, in in her Her feet are just flat. She's all iron punching, and she's doing what she's doing doing that. I thought, I can't believe one of these coaches I haven't showed her just how to get that just that torque and that snap. She would knock girls out because she doesn't knock a lot of girls out. If you hits. notice that. Yeah, and she doesn't – you watch her. She doesn't do that um she she's a good fighter no doubt about it but um you know when when these when they get into this you know greatest woman of all time and all that yeah that's fine I can roll with that but when you start trying to compare yourself like pound for pound compared to the Terrence Crawford's and the Triple G's and there's no comparison it's apples and oranges um it's not a knock against how talented and how good she is but it's apples and oranges because, first of all, you don't have the level of competition that these guys. In have. the women's sport, yeah. Right. In order to be great, you have to beat greats. Right. That's that's how greats become great. The Ali's, the Foremans, the Frasers, the Nortons, the Hearns, Leonard's, Haggers—they beat each other. You yeah. know that's how you become great. So, but but kudos to her for what she's doing. And, and before the COVID, the the attention that she brought to women's boxing. Do um, We haven't seen attention like that since the Layla Ali and Mia St. John's and the Christy Martin days, you know, yeah. you just haven't seen it. So she did bring a lot of attention to the sport. Lucia Riker, when she was doing her thing back when. Um, so, but uh, you know, I think Clarissa, um, I just wish there was just that I wish she had her Sugar Ray Leonard or her Tommy Hearns out there. You yep. Know?
0: It would definitely be good. I know she was trying to bait uh, Ali into coming back, but yeah, I don't think she's yeah. going to do it. What about the Charlo no. brothers?
1: Good fighters. Um, I, I, but, but I, but not, but not elite uh, elite. Like they tr- yeah. Yeah. Like they try to, uh, uh, say, I mean, I thought the, I thought the middleweight Charlo um, was going to be the guy to really maybe do something. Yeah. Jamel the, I, I was messing, messing too up, but I thought he might, uh, beat all the middleweights, but now I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Uh, but yeah, I could be surprised, but I just don't see it. Um, they have, they have, they're there. They're a a plus, but they're not elite fighters. I just, I don't see it. Yeah.
0: Entertaining. Very, very, <laughs> enter-
1: very entertaining. Talk a lot of trash. Uh,
0: Jamal yeah.
1: does. I <laughs> uh, yeah, just sometimes that gets to me. I, I, some some guys talk trash in a way where it's enjoyable. Like I really laugh. I get a kick. I, I look forward to it. And other guys, just it just irks me. I don't know. I can't explain it. Yeah.
0: Canelo, is there any fighter out there that would give him a
1: tough fight? Well, I I, I like I said I thought the middleweight charlo at yeah. one point. Actually, I was I was picking him over Canelo at one point. Really? Yeah, That's I was. Yeah, I was. But then but then uh, after the last few fights I'm like, I don't know. But I'm going to I'm going to tell you a kid who I really enjoy watching fight is uh Caleb Plant. Okay. Sweet. Hands. Yeah. I like him. Uh I I I had heard At one point, that uh, him and Canelo were going to fight in December, but then Caleb Smith ended up jumping in on that fight, I guess. But uh, I think I think Caleb Plant, just because of his boxing ability, Canelo is a a great puncher, no doubt. Strong takes a shot, man. I think you could, I literally think you could hit that guy with a ball bat and you still might be in a fight. I mean, he's he can take a punch, but uh, something about Caleb Plant, he's got that mental fortitude and he just he's a guy that i like i've been following him since since way back and uh i think he's gonna do all right And i, I he man a like couple more g- fights he gives him a fight though he does give him a fight because yeah. he beat the boogeyman he beat the boogeyman of the other of super middleweight division when he beat that uh who's got the k or whatever his name yeah. is I, can't, I mess his name up every time but um so but but right now canelo is is, is he's the top dog he's the top dog would you say you gotta, he's number one pound for pound or Terrence Crawford or Javante uh, Davis? Um, I, I'm not ready to give it to Davis yet. No, okay. he, he's, he's not pound for pound yet because he's, he's, he's got to have that test fight, you know? Yep. Um. Um. Canelo had his triple G fights. And I feel like the first fight I gave that to triple G, I gave that first okay. fight to triple G. I, I thought had he won Okay. And then, but see, it was, it was close. It was close. It yeah. was close. I, I could live with the decision either way. Um, he clearly won but, a second fight. Mm-hmm, yeah. But, uh, um, as far as pound for pound, I would, I would probably, I would probably right now just off of merit and the number of fights and who he's fought and all that, you, you might have to go Canelo. But if I was going, if I was going skill in a guy, I'm, I would give it to Crawford because Crawford is a guy that can go in and adapt immediately. He, he always takes two or three rounds no matter what, but he adapts and he controls and he takes it over. So I'm, I'm a Crawford pound for pound right now. Him or Canelo toss up. Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury. I'm taking Fury. I'm taking, taking Fury. Tyson Fury. Yeah. I'm taking Fury. I think, yeah, And he's big. He's right up there with Joshua. He's not, he's not like somebody that Joshua is looking down on. He's going to be looking up to this guy actually. Um, I think that, uh, uh, I was just saying this today about anthony joshua i said he's he went on you know, what he did in the olympics and everything he won an olympic gold medal i believe right yep. joshua was a good but he didn't do that off of just uh off experience he did it off a of raw skill in the pros oh we were talking about the ruiz fight is what it was i was talking about that fight today and i said i picked uh i picked ruiz to beat anthony joshua at 11 to 1 i picked him to beat joshua wow. i said because because Joshua's going to be surprised at how fast that guy is. And Joshua is a guy who's getting where he's getting just off of his, just off his raw talent, but he's going to actually be in a fight and he's too green to handle what's going to be brought his way. And, and, you know, whatever. Hey, yeah, but it just, (laughs) you know, but he, (laughs) let me get this side too, but he, uh, but second time around he adapted, He, he showed that he can adapt, you know, became a better fighter. That loss really made him better. And, but yeah. I don't think that he, I don't think he's ready for a, a Tyson Fury. I don't even think he could be Deontay Wilder. Is there, that was the next question was, there, is there any fight that still exists for Deontay Wilder that brings public interest? Almost any fight that he's in just because he's Deontay Wilder. Yeah. He's going to bring a lot of attention to himself. And, and, but, you know, I think what's really hurt his, his, uh, What's hurt himself is all the all the excuses that he's made. I mean, now now Mark Breland spiked spiked his water was the was the latest and greatest. That's a, it, It's like Crazy. come on, man, come on, Mark Breland. You know, I mean, if you want to say the forty pound suit that you wore in there and all that, that's fine. But you know what happened in the first fight when Fury got dropped and got up off the floor like the the Undertaker Changed boom, everything. when he just sat up right. Changed but, everything. But, but he attacked him. He got up off the floor and he attacked Deontay Wilder, and he had Wilder backed up. He rocked Wilder. He knew. He realized right then and there. Oh, we fight a second time when that bell rings. I'm jumping this guy because he does not know what to do when a guy jumps him, and that's exactly what happened in that fight. Yeah, he, he can't just fight came on backwards. Jumping. No, he mauled him. He just mauled him. Yeah. Earl Spence, Danny Garcia. Um. Well. Pre-accident, to me, it was an easy Arrow Spence pick for me, hundred percent, no questions asked, boom. But I don't know after a, a, a horrible car accident and then all this time off, too, on top of it. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm I'm going with Spence, but I, but Spence Crawford. See, I think know, this is the tune-up fight for <laughs> Spence Crawford. It is, and I think it's going to show. It's going to show what's going to happen in the Spence Crawford fight. I, I depending on how this fight goes is depending on how I'm picking in the next fight. And this is not a guarantee. This is not a guarantee win uh, over over Danny Garcia because, yeah, like tough. I said, he's coming off. But have you I, after after uh, one of the first interviews after the accident, Crawford? I mean, uh, Spence, Spence didn't seem right there to me yeah he he his words weren't right his you know and, and maybe who knows he might have been having a good night that night I don't know but he just didn't seem right um so we'll see what happens in this fight but it's gonna that's going to be interesting to see it's a tough fight to... to come through after a wreck and not fighting for 18 months and
0: especially everything else like there's no tune tune-up fight I'm like well this is the tune-up for Crawford if this hey, is the case Garcia isn't yeah, Danny Garcia is nobody's tune-up fight. He is nobody's tune-up fight.
1: Uh, uh-uh, uh, he's he's the real deal.
0: Mike Tyson, Roy Jones. Well,
1: that all depends on the seriousness how they both you know take the fight. They seem it, pretty it, serious. If, if it's serious, <laughs> if Mike Tyson comes out serious, he's he'll he's gonna he's gonna crush Roy Jones. And I, I love Roy Jones. I love Mike Tyson. I'm I'm big fans of both of those guys. But if Mike Tyson comes out serious. Roy, it, you can't. Roy Jones, he couldn't keep Mike Tyson off of him. First of all, Roy Jones is not that fleet-footed guy anymore. He hasn't been that guy for years. He's flat-footed now. You you can't be flat-footed against Mike Tyson, especially if you're not a legitimate, true heavyweight. And Roy Jones started boxing at 156, so it's not, if Tyson takes it serious and really throws bombs, he's gonna hurt Roy Jones, actually, in my opinion. You're a legend. Mike Tyson's calling this the Legends
0: League. Would you ever fight anyone
1: in a exhibition fight? Well, them guys are making what about eight to ten million dollars for that fight? You and Tommy you know me that. like that. <laughs> yeah, we would do it. <laughs> I tell you right now, if I call Tommy Hearns and say, hey, let's meet at 175. Make us about $5 million apiece. We'd both be on that all day. I think we could pull it off. Uh, we could pull it off. You <laughs> call me. <It's> gonna, <laughs> be, uh, for that kind of money, I, I might fight my mom. She's moving back up here in December. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and one last thing. How do you feel about Nate Robinson and Jake Paul, you know, Jake Paul, the reality star, being the co-main event for that event? Nate Robinson. Yeah, the basketball player.
1: Yeah, oh, that's the co-main event on that. Yeah,
0: it's Nate Robinson versus uh Jake Paul. Jake Paul's a reality YouTube star.
1: Yeah, I know millions I know of who viewers. Is. And
0: I, you know they're <sighs> using it to get more and more eyes on it.
1: Yeah, exactly, cuz it's a pay-per-view. Yeah. And those guy and, and that that Jake Paul has I don't know millions, I guess millions. of followers on the, yeah. all the things that he does. So, uh it, it's a business move. Um I can't I can't knock the people that's doing it for for the business side of it. For the boxing side, it's you – know, I, I would – now, that would be one of those guys. Give me a Jake Paul or some of those. I, I don't – what's he weigh, about 200 pounds?
0: Uh, I think Paul. Logan Paul weighs 200. Logan's the oh, older Logan. brother, the bigger one. Okay, uh, yeah, Jake Paul's okay. the
1: younger brother.
0: But they're both, they're both athletic. They both box, and they've been boxing. Uh, I don't think they have any professional boxing experience.
1: No, I've seen some of their training videos and stuff. Uh, just recently, actually, probably because this is coming out. But, yeah, I mean – as far as it's, it's a side show. It's a, it's a little, like, almost like a side freak show. Come see the, the bearded woman or the 10 foot man or whatever, you know, people yeah. are going to come see it. So, um, but is it good or bad for boxing? I can't say either way. It just, it just, it just attracts a, a crowd that normally wouldn't probably watch boxing. They're just there to watch that. So, you know, if you pick up a few fans, good. If not, you know, if you pick up enough to cover everybody's purses and make a good pay-per-view then, then great kudos yeah. to them. Badu Jack you know. is on there as well. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I like yeah. Badu Jack too. Yeah, good fighter. So,
0: man, I appreciate talking to boxing. I can do this all day. I, yeah, I, I love the fight game, man. I, I love the art of fighting. I love all of everything about it. I'm a huge MMA guy as well. Um, but I watch boxing just as much. And, man, I appreciate you for, for coming on and, Thank you, you know, you. and, and speaking to, to everyone and, and telling some stories. I had a great time. I hope it was just as fun for you to go
1: back there. It was lane and yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed it. Uh, you were a great interview. Uh, it was a pleasure. Um, uh, thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Do you have
0: a Instagram or, or anything that people can get a hold of you or keep up to date on what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I make it real simple. I got Instagram, Bronco McCart. I have Facebook Bronco McCart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just keep it real Twitter, Bronco McCart, you know, I just, <laughs> just keep it real simple. I don't have any catchy names or anything. I just, uh, Uh, just and I post things and a lot of times what I do is go through a lot of old pictures and post different things and events coming up and things like that so
0: any advice for anybody up and coming right now that's maybe they're going through it tough with COVID or or anything happening uh, just any advice for them to change the mindset or to move forward and pursue
1: yeah yeah, you know what? It, it, it goes back to what I said earlier about those that ten seconds. Right now, right now, the whole world is in a 10 second moment. You know, we're all knocked down right now with COVID and everything that's going on around us, and all the crazy stuff that's going on with politics and everything else. You know, so right now we're you're at the five-second mark. You know, it's gonna it's gonna get on that upswing here soon. So just get up, you know, stay focused, focus on your dream, and and, and go get them. Nobody's gonna get them. Nobody's gonna get it for. Nobody's gonna knock on the door and say, "Hey, here's your dream delivered to you today." No, you gotta go out and get it. You know. And right now, we're, we're 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 behind doors. We're closed down. We're locked down. All those things. But stay focused. Stay training. You know. Do your diet right. Don't give up. Just keep just keep pressing along. And then, and then you'll get up. You of ate. You got your standing eight count. <laughs> now it's time to go get it. <laughs>
0: time to go get it,
1: man, <laughs> yeah, so. Bronco, man. I
0: appreciate you, brother. I, I'm gonna stay in touch. Hope you for don't sure. mind. I'm gonna stay in touch. No, with absolutely. You. Because what I'm doing uh, with this sports platform, I think it'll be a great space for you as well. So I'll stay in touch with you on that. And thank Absolutely. you for coming on and blessing the Lulu Logic Podcast with your presence and your knowledge in fight game. Dude, this has been amazing. And this is the Lulu Logic Podcast, and we out.